Hello and welcome back to the Phases podcast. I'm so excited to be here with you guys and there's so much I want to cover and so I kind of just want to dive right into it. Um, I have a story for you guys today and hopefully there are some key points that you can take away and apply to your life where you see fit. Hopefully you get some wisdom from this experience that I'm going to share with you guys. So I want to dive into the history of my health. And so, (laughs) yeah, um, I guess we could just start from a little bit before the time I was diagnosed with Crohn's disease. Crohn's disease is an autoimmune disease. An autoimmune disease is, well, it's in the name. You are immune to yourself. Um, your body is producing too much of the protein that is meant to regulate your system. It's producing too much of it, so therefore your system is attacking itself. Um, Crohn's disease is a form of IBD. It's an inflammatory bowel disease, and it's pretty fucking painful if it's not treated. So, <laughs> yeah, I am 12 years old at the time. I'm entering middle school, which is a real weird time for any kid. Um, I was on the cheer team at the time. I was running four to five to six miles a day in cross country. I was making straight A's. I was doing CrossFit on the weekends and sometimes during the week with my family. Um... And so when I became fatigued to the point that I would come home after school and just pass out in the doorway, I don't even know if I would take my shoes off. Um, Everyone just kind of assumed that it was because I was doing so much. Uh, Of course, she's this tired. Of course. Uh, It made sense. It checked out. And all the while, all of this is going on and I'm uh, striving to do and be all of these things, I'm also experiencing the worst stomach pain I had ever known. It was excruciating pain. I mean, it was bad. It got to a point where I didn't want to eat because of the way my body reacted when I ate. The way that my body felt when I would eat. And so, from there was a lack of nutrients and I eventually lost... 30 pounds um it was over time but it was apparent that I was I mean I was 12 years old so when you go from 90 pounds to 60 pounds it's it's a big jump right um so yeah I didn't tell anyone about my symptoms It's one thing that I can't do is 
blame the people around me for not knowing what I couldn't bring myself to communicate. I think part of me going probably six months, probably longer, without ever telling anyone that this was starting or that this was getting this bad, um, was the fact that I understood if this was actually something real and if I was actually sick, which there was so much denial about that. Like, I'm not sick. This is just a stomach issue. It's going to go away and I'm going to be fine. Because what 12-year-old is thinking, oh, there could be something really wrong with me. I was just like, I'm 12. I'm fine. My stomach has hurt before and it's gone away before. I didn't believe that I could be sick. And I didn't want to believe that I could be sick. And I'll tell you why. You remember the list of things that I was a part of that I just mentioned to you? The, the cross country, the, the cheer, the straight A's, the this, the that, the that? In my household growing up, achievements equaled attention. Your worth was kind of derived from what you were achieving. It was so apparent the difference of affection you would receive when you were doing things, when you were achieving things versus when you weren't. I didn't want to be sick because I knew if I was sick, my ability to achieve and to keep doing these things would go away. The big problem with this is in the household I grew up in, your ability to achieve directly corresponded with the amount of attention, the amount of celebration, the amount of love that you received. I knew that what I was achieving was appeasing the people that took care of me. I knew it because I felt it. I felt the difference. I felt the shift when that wasn't happening. And... I didn't want to be loved any less. It sounds so sad, and that's because it is, and it was. My body was screaming at me. My body was screaming at me. And I kept shutting her up and I've since forgiven this little version of myself that really just wanted to be loved at the end of the day she didn't want to be sick and she wanted to be loved and she wanted everything to be okay 
but they weren't. And that became apparent when my body did this miraculous thing in hindsight. Um, I developed this thing. I don't even know what you, what it is, what it's classified as, but it's called erythematosum. The name is pretty fucking irrelevant. It's basically when the inflammation in your body gets so severe that it starts protruding out in, in your body. It starts showing through your skin. Uh, I got mine on my shins and I think probably has to do with the joint inflammation. I don't know why it travels to certain parts of your body, but I guess irrelevant. Basically, my body said, okay, bitch, if you're not going to tell people, I guess I will. And I very vividly remember the moment that they were found. The question was kind of like, what happened? How do you have two bruises at the exact same spot on both legs? Did someone take a baseball bat to your shins? What's going on? <laughs> um... And the journey to the quest, I should say, began to figure out what was wrong. I feel like I blocked out a lot of my memories from this time um, because of various reasons, but my memory is splotchy on how we arrived to the conclusion that I have Crohn's. I do remember plenty of doctor's visits, um, went to my pediatrician, and he diagnosed the erythematosum, after which he referred us to a other type of doctor, and they were like, I'm pretty sure this is Crohn's, and then referred us to a gastroenterologist, and the rest is pretty much history. So that story of how we even got to the diagnosis is a huge part of the story, as you can imagine. I mean, it, it almost tells the whole story. But no, we're not done. I had a question when I was diagnosed. Where did this come from? I had no idea, like I said, I was 12, and I was super active, and I thought, if you're active, you're healthy, that's it. Um, so yeah, my main question was, where did this come from, how did this happen, and I remember getting two answers, pretty much. It's hereditary. Or it's stress. And everyone just pretty much assumed that because I have a couple people on my mom's side that have IBS, I it was hereditary and that was it. How can a 12-year-old have stress? I want to dig into this book, Woman's Bodies, Woman's Wisdom. I think any female body needs to own this book. It is so 
so fucking amazing. I haven't even finished it. It's kind of it's it's kind of like a Bible, but there's so much knowledge in here. I want to read this. She talks about the addictive system. Uh, think of it like the patriarch. She just uses a different word for it. Um, but think of it like that. Uh, the addictive system fears emotional responses and highly values the control of emotions because it is so out of touch with them. No one wanted it to be that the 12-year-old was so stressed that she developed an autoimmune disease. Another little excerpt from this book is, there is no disease that isn't mental and emotional as well as physical. So sure, I had a small body, but I housed some pretty big emotions in that small body. And housed is kind of the perfect word. Maybe home, even. I knew of no way to truthfully express my emotions. I believed I was supposed to be some sort of peacekeeper between my households. And so for that reason, I don't think I ever explored what it would be like to truly express how I felt, nor did I have any of the tools to do that. I'm going to take this time to read a little excerpt from the book that says, our emotions and thoughts have such a profound effect on us because they are physically linked to our bodies via our immune endocrine and central nervous systems. All emotions, even those that are suppressed and unexpressed, have physical effects. Unexpressed emotions tend to stay in the body like small ticking time bombs. They are illnesses and incubation. She goes on to say, why would the immune system attack the cells of a person in whom it is functioning unless it is getting some kind of destructive message from somewhere very deep within the body? I think this very idea not only helps paint a picture for my story, but I think it overall points out a big flaw in the Western medical system in the fact that energetics are just not viewed as real, tangible factors in someone's health and well-being. But that's a whole nother podcast episode. So um, I think we're at the point where I've been diagnosed and I'm put on steroids to kind of, you know, just really support myself I've, on oral medications this was all after a long hospital stay where I was first put on the biologic that I had since been on for um, eight years. Biologic, I'm not even going to try and pretend as though I know what it is, but it's a very, very, very strong medication. And I would go, started at, I believe, every four weeks, moved up to every six weeks. And then for 
a lot of years towards the end, it was every eight weeks. Um, I would go in to either the hospital or an actual infusion center, and I would sit down, they would poke me, and I would be infused with this medication in directly into the vein, directly into the bloodstream for eight years. Um, is pretty fucking intense when you really sit and think about it. Um, it's interesting. Something I just want to note is that in the UK, you actually cannot be on a biologic for longer than either a year or maybe two years. I think it's a year before you have to reconsider treatment options because it is that suppressing to your fucking immune system. Now, hear me out. This drug saved my life. So, I can't be mad at her. I actually really, really appreciate her. Um, but I just need you to get an idea of how strong this shit is. It's required in other countries that you revisit your treatment plan because it is so... <laughs> it's... It's fucking intense. But anyway, pull up. So fast forward just a little bit. I'm on the medication. I start to get better. I'm going back to school, trying to get back into my routine, my schoolwork, trying to navigate telling my peers that I'm that I don't have cancer and that I'm in fact okay. But I'm not really okay, but I am okay. Um <laughs> it was all it's a very it's a good part of the story it's a important part of the story another important part of the story is the fact that you remember how i was so scared to lose affection attention and love when all of my achievements would slow down well i was now this poster child for the disease um instead of drawing my love from my parents and affection and attention from my achievements i was now drawing it from my sickness and i think that's so important to share because it just proves that that wasn't a one-off situation and that this was in fact a pattern of mine um it definitely carried into adulthood and it has taken me a long time to not only learn but believe and embody this fact that i am worthy of love period I don't need to achieve anything for it. I don't need to be sick for it. I don't need to do or prove or be anything for it. It just shows that this was a pattern of mine. And although I can recognize it now as a lie, at the time I was just a child who wanted to feel love. And yeah, being a poster child for this disease, looking back, was really fucking bizarre. Um, we raised a lot of money for the foundation, and I will never 
take for granted the quality time that I got to spend with all of my family together. When you come from a fragmented family where you have four different, you know, groups of families, it was so special to see them all together. And I'll never, never take that for granted. That was something so beautiful that I got out of this was to experience all of my family together celebrating me and in support of me in one space at one time and like I said I'll never take that for granted I think all of that was important to share and yeah eight years later here we are I've never missed an infusion uh throughout those eight years I'd say probably when I was uh, I'd say maybe 18 is when I started to get deeper into my spiritual journey. And so as time went on, I wanted to approach life more holistically. I was very involved in my mental health and I just wanted to get healthier. By 19, I think the summer of when I had turned 19, I quit smoking nicotine that same year i cut out red meat and pork from my diet just on my own accord and by the time 2022 rolls around i'm 20 years old and i'm really ready to get in the driver's seat i think i i just want to be healthier i want to work out i want to do i want to eat healthier i want to drink more water um i want to have less sugar and less processed foods i I want to just be healthier. And that was a big theme for me going into 2022. It was one of, you know, a big resolution of mine was to just get healthy. And so I did something called 75 Hard, which I've talked about before. And that has since turned into just a really sweet yoga practice. I continued to not eat red meat or pork, which I think really has really, really helped me. Um, This year, I stopped drinking alcohol. I don't know if I've talked about that yet, but I I still haven't drank alcohol since my trip to Miami. So, um, and I really don't plan on, I really don't plan on it. I also wanted to get into holistic health and just that type of vibe conveniently my aunt who is one of the people on my mom's side with that ibs uh she started working at a wellness facility who they pretty much look at hormone levels and they do all types of shit they i don't know they treat with vitamins and it's just exactly what i was looking for pretty much and so I had an appointment there. I they looked at all my levels. I needed like vitamin B, vitamin D, and my estrogen was a little high. And I went in there telling them, "Hey, look. I want to get off Remicade is the biologic that I had been on for 8 years. Going on 8 years." And they were like um okay 
well, we'll see what we can do. <laughs> um, and I was like, don't worry. I'm not going to do anything stupid. I want to take this slow. I want to do this responsibly. But I want to support my body and I want to do this. I want to get off this drug. I don't want to stay on it for forever. I don't know how long it's going to take. I don't know if this will ever even happen, but I want everyone in my care team to know that this is the goal that I want to reach. So we started with those vitamins and I was sent on my way. Um, I continued living my life and then I had a doctor's appointment with my GI doctor and I presented him the same idea. Hey, listen, I don't want to be on this anymore. Same exact thing. Don't know how long it's going to take. I don't want to be irresponsible, but this is how I feel. I feel as though my body can do this. And based on the information he had, which was a the results from my colonoscopy, uh, the previous June. So the results were from an entire year ago, pretty much. And he was like, no, <laughs> he didn't say that, but he was like, why? Why, if it's working, why, blah, blah, blah. I was like, well, here are my concerns. Cost is huge. Biologics, I'm not if you're not on a biologic, there's no need for you to know how much it is. But just so you know, they're fucking expensive. Okay? It's, it's, if you don't have insurance, I have insurance and a, like, promo company that helps pay for shit. And I still pay crazy amounts out of pocket. I just, just know that I'm not paying $12 to go get infused, okay? It's fucking outrageous. Cost was a big issue for me, and just the effects that I knew it was having on my body were a big issue for me. Now, you have to understand that at this point, I'm pretty fed up, and I want out. This realization that this could even be a possibility that I could take charge of my health in this way. You have to understand the magnitude of a decision like this for me. After eight years of being on this drug, I don't know how, I don't know if you know how long eight years is, but from the time I was 12 but to the time I was 20, I was on this medication. And it was told to me, and it was... It really did help me. It really did save me. But it was so fear-based. What you have to understand also about biologics is that they don't work for everyone. And that it, they don't work for everyone all the time. So it really was some sort of miracle that I was on this drug and it was helping me and it was working for this long. I remember my pediatric GI doctor, the longest patient he had ever had on it was seven years, and it was like a golden child to him. So as I'm approaching seven years, they're like, okay, great. Well, you're going to keep staying on it. 
the approach was very fear-based and it was just like if it's not broke then don't fix it which I totally understand because I do remember how bad it was I lived it I didn't I what I knew about approaching my healthcare providers with this information and even my family even my girlfriend with this information I knew that I was going to have to be an advocate for myself I knew that no one was gonna want to change it because it had been working basically I understood that if I wanted to see any change I was gonna have to be the one to ask for it so you could imagine my fear my anxiety when I walk into this appointment at my doctor's office with this idea that maybe one day I could come off this very serious, very intense, very expensive, very taxing drug. Maybe one day this could be a possibility. I didn't come in with a bunch of demands. I didn't come in with any arrogance. I knew that this would probably be a really slow process and that the even the idea of this would take some getting used to because it took some getting used to for me. So I go in for my regular scheduled checkup and he's like, so everything looks good. What's up with you? You chilling or what? And every other checkup before this point, I would just be ready to get out of there. I just feel like, yeah, I'm fine. You could check my labs. I'm still in remission. I'm fine. Let's just move on. Let's just move this along. And this one was so fucking different because I was like, okay, here's the deal. Do you think I could ever get off Remicade? The drug that I'm on. And of course, I'm met with all types of resistance of like, well, what do you mean? Because everyone, when you, when, when, <laughs> when you bring up something like this, when there's so much fear around you stopping it, it's like, whoa, sis. Like, hold on, back it up. What do you mean? Everyone just kind of gets so tense. When <laughs> I just remember everyone, when I would bring it up, would be like, oh my god, but what are you so so scared? And it, it's all just because they want me to be healthy, right? And it just meant I had to work that much harder to get my point across. But this was all very new to me. It was just a vague idea I had. It was just a, is this even possible? And with the knowledge he had, which was the results from my colonoscopy a year prior, he was kind of like, no. If you want to heal your gut, we can move forward with, instead of you going every eight weeks, we could take you down to every six weeks. Basically, he said, I see your get off this medication and I raise you 
you stay on it and you take more. <laughs> I remember I felt so defeated leaving that first appointment. I thought, well, fuck. I guess it is true. I, I will be stuck to this IV machine forever. I'll, it just is what it is, I guess, until it stops working. I was sad. I was pretty hopeless. I remember I got home that night and I just sobbed to my girlfriend. I just cried and cried and cried because I could hear my body saying we can do this. We don't fucking need this. I could hear it. And it was like my shot to make up for all the times that I shut up my body while it was screaming at me. I could hear her now and I was closer to her than I had ever been because I had started to take such good care of her. That I could hear when she was telling me, I don't want to be on this anymore. And to be met with such resistance, I felt hopeless because I wanted, I wanted to be the voice for my body that I wasn't before. And I, I had tried and it, it didn't work. I felt like I was letting down my vessel. I felt like she had done so much for me and she had come back from so much for me and I couldn't do this one thing for her. I was exhausted of trying to prove what I already knew. to people who would never be inside my body. So yeah, to put it simply, I was devastated and filled with hopelessness. We carried on with our life and then comes this clearance sale at half price books where all the books are two dollars and I actually went to this thing twice and I saw this book woman's bodies woman's wisdom which is what I've been reading from I saw it the first day I picked it up and I put it down which is so crazy to me but luckily I went back the second day and she was still there and I was like, oh, thank God. And I bought her. And I'm so glad I did because so much of this book really just pointed out my innate strength with this body that I have and this innate knowing and she really gave me the power back that I needed 
to know that I could walk into that fucking doctor's office. And if he wasn't on board, I would say, okay, then I will need you to no longer be a part of my healthcare team. I want to find someone who knows what I already know about myself and who can support me on this journey. And she gave me the tools. I didn't start researching until probably two weeks before my next appointment, which was three months out from that first initial, um, when I dropped the bomb, right? That like, hey, I have my mindset on this. So fast forward, it's the day of the appointment and I'm cramming. I'm fucking cramming because I've been putting this off because I'm like, oh, I'll do it later. I'll look it up later. I'll I'll find the courage later, bro. It's the day of. It's 30 minutes before. I'm just reading article after article after article. I'm skimming through the book. I'm like, it, <laughs> it was truly manic energy. And um, I just jotted down a bunch of notes of things that I wanted to bring up. And let me tell you, even though it was hectic and I didn't spend a lot of time doing it, I had some fucking bangers in that notebook i was like listen (laughs) even though it didn't seem like i would have been prepared with that little amount of time i was fucking prepared to tear shit down okay anyway i walk into the office i'm so nervous i'm so nervous for what he's gonna say and that i will actually have to be this goddamn cheetah in this fucking doctor's office and just go off Um, I start the conversation with, I'm invested in Maya body's innate ability to heal itself. I'm invested in healing my body. I'm invested in listening to my body. And I wanted to have something that concrete that would set the tone for the entire the entirety of the conversation and so that's my first tip set the tone with your with your healthcare provider have a statement a a middle ground that you can come back to an intention that you set you set the container and you set the vibe pretty much something that you can come back to that you believe and that like I said, just sets the tone. And that was mine. So that's what I lead with. And he's like, okay. Um, By the way, my doctor is so friendly. He's so nice. And I really, I really did like him as a doctor because he was so nice. And he, he didn't seem like it was this really cold doctor-patient dynamic. He didn't seem like he was really uh, into that, which I had definitely experienced before. It really felt like he was a caretaker and not so much this scary white coat doctor. So basically he sees my list that I've jotted down in a hurry um, And that is my second tip, is write a motherfucking list. Because 
doctors have doctor language and sometimes it can be hard to follow them and you want to be able to get yourself back on track with all of the things that you had in mind coming in to the appointment write down everything that you want addressed because that first appointment there were so many things that i had thought of that i just forgot to say that i just that just escaped my brain because of the overwhelm of emotion when I heard that this probably won't be a possibility for you. Everything just went out the window. I had no more talking points. It just, that just was what it was. So if you're planning on going to the doctor, if you're planning on trying to change your course of treatment, or if this, or if you're just trying to go into a situation with your dad with your roommate with i mean it could be whoever and you want your point to get across write a motherfucking list write a list so i start reading my list and the conversation is pretty long but basically we get to the conclusion he lets me know that There were no inflammation markers from the sample that we had taken. And, I mean, it sounded like good news, but he still wasn't alluding to anything. So I was like, okay, that sounds really good, but I don't know. We kept going down the list, and, I mean, he definitely shared his doubts. He was like, I... I don't really know why and I expressed to him that I knew that biologics cannot heal your gut. Nothing can cure this disease, but I knew from the scouring I had done that over and over again it had said that biologics cannot heal your gut. And so the process of putting me on the biologic for like upping the dose, upping the quantity I was like I don't agree with that at all because I know biologics can't heal my gut so I don't want to move forward with that plan and I really had to go through the list and assert myself even though there was this power struggle even though my doctor is super nice and super kind and is more of a caregiver than this cold doctor figure, there is still that power struggle where you are the doctor and I'm the patient, and typically this means that you're supposed to know all, and I'm supposed to just go with your recommendations because you went to school and you write the prescriptions. Well, here's the deal. I live in my body, and... I then explained to him how no one in my treatment ever had ever asked me what my life was like. I had never told that story of the 12-year-old girl who was achieving all of these things for validation and knew that if these things were taken away from her, she would no longer get the love or validation that she was receiving. And that she had stuffed so much of her emotions down into her gut. 
She had suppressed so much rage, so much anger, so much sadness in that very spot. No one, I had never told anyone that, and no one had ever asked me that. It was the parent that I tell him this, that he knew that I was 12 years old when I was diagnosed. No, I had no intention on trying to get healthy. I thought I was healthy. And that things would be so different now. That I want to take care of my body. I want to listen and to believe my body. And that I was taking the driver's seat of my health. I was taking my health by the fucking reins and we were fucking doing this. And I really think that gave him the push that he needed to say, okay. He then had his follow-up about this is what we'll do. I assured him that I didn't want to be reckless with this that I didn't want to ignore my body anymore, and that in fact me sitting here and telling you this was proof of that. Proof that I would speak up when my body had something to say. So although he had new lab results that were not a year old, Because like I said, if you remember that first appointment, things didn't magically change in three months. The information that he had was information from an entire year ago. So my life hadn't changed, really. I mean, I was on my spiritual journey, but I was probably still smoking nicotine at the time. I was definitely still drinking alcohol. I'm not sure if I was eating red meat. I actually don't think I was. But not nearly as much consideration went into my overall health at that time. And so with this new, updated, tangible evidence that what I had been saying all along was true. Like, hey, sure, this biologic came in and did what it needed to do when I was so severely sick, but now now I'm not. And if there are countries where people literally have to, by law, reconsider their treatment plan when on these after a year, two years, I want to reconsider now that it's been eight. I want to read another little section of the book. She says, It is important that you have a doctor or health practitioner whose beliefs can reinforce your healing. Can we just sit with that for a second? That's the third tip. If my results hadn't come back clear, to be really honest with you, I don't know what I would have done. But if my results had come back the way they did and I still wasn't getting help, I was prepared to let him know that this would be the end of our time together. So your tone statement, how are you going to set the pace? How are you going to set the container and take control over 
I don't want to say like take control over the conversation, but really just center yourself in your intention for the rest of your part of the conversation and let it be known. Continue to let it be known through your list, your list of demands, your list of worries, your list of what are you going to do? What can I do? Here's the facts of this. Here are the research. Here's the research I found that supports this. Here's the research I found that does not support what you're saying. Here's this. Here's this. Here's this. Have a list and be firm with what you're saying. And check your sources because they are doctors. <laughs> and the third is be ready and be willing to walk the fuck out if they're not willing to help you heal. And that's it. I'm so thankful that the results of that test showed what I already knew to be true. And I'm so thankful that my doctor was willing and able to hear me out, see the facts for what they were, and that we get to continue on this journey together. Because like I said... He really is a nice guy. <laughs> but he also had a list of demands. Uh, he had a, uh, some propositions, could I say. He wanted to know if I would be willing to go on an oral medication um, while in this transition of getting off the medication. Because now that we've decided, okay, we're going to do this, it was... When is your next infusion? Oh, it's two weeks out. Okay, that will be your last infusion. If you're okay with starting oral medications, we're going to start you on these oral medications now that don't kick in until four weeks. So by the time the biologic has left your body and is no longer in your system, these drugs will have kicked in already and you'll be off Remicade. When he mapped it out like that, it... It made so much sense because um, if I looked at my journey with these pharmaceuticals on a timeline, it would be I was on the biologic, the infusions, right, with oral medications at the beginning because it was so bad and I needed them both because I'm telling you it was fucking awful. And then as time went on, I eventually got off the oral medications and I was just on the biologic. And now we're nearing the end. We're going to come back on oral medications and then get off the biologic. It made so much sense. And I wanted to do anything I could, and I want to do anything that I can to support my body in this transition. The difference in the way that I felt leaving that office the first versus the second time was night and fucking day. I left feeling so liberated, hopeful, and I felt healthy, and I felt responsible, and I felt just really fucking good. It felt really nice to be driving away in the driver's seat of my motherfucking health. 
I want to give this story to you because this is such a huge, as you could imagine, a huge chapter in my story. I mean, this is almost a decade with this one drug and this one lifestyle. And there was so much fear around it not working or me getting off of the drug or me not... I mean, there was so much fear and to leave feeling so liberated that I I walked in there and I said, hey, I know my body and I know I can handle this. So show me your cards. That's not to say that I'm not nervous because of all this fear that was instilled in me. My last infusion was yesterday and I'm, I'm not gonna miss people poking me. I'm not gonna miss I'm not going to miss any of it. I mean, the naps hit different, but I'm not going to miss it. (laughs) To say I'm not nervous would be a lie. Although I do believe in my body's innate ability to heal itself. And I do believe in my ability to support my body. The fear that was instilled in me for eight years doesn't just go away, unfortunately. But I wanted to put out this episode because I think that if you know something deep in your bones, you should fucking go for it. Whether it be in healthcare, whether it be in relationship, whether it be in career, You should fucking go for it. And yeah, I I still can't really believe that yesterday was my last infusion, but like, (laughs) I better believe it because I did that. When I look back on it, nobody, nobody would have changed anything about my treatment. Nobody. Nobody would have stepped in and said, hey, maybe we should change this. This all happened because of me. If I wouldn't have gone in that day and questioned it, nothing, nothing would have changed. It would have been like every other doctor's appointment before where I go in, I sit down, we do the same tit for tat and I leave. And that's it. I did that. And the power that I feel now after being an advocate for myself is unfucking matched I have a very long road ahead of me. I could eat less gluten I could eat less sugar I could definitely have less processed foods I could always drink more water 
but I did that. Me and my body, we did that. And I felt like sharing this story with you guys because I've been in this phase of my life for nearly a fucking decade. And it's just so sweet to experience this shift. And I know there are an infinite number of reasons to disconnect from your body. But if you have the opportunity to listen and to believe in your body's telling you something, just know that it won't fucking lie. I want to throw in here my last little tidbits that cannabinoids actually really help with the TNF protein. That was the protein that uh, basically produces inflammation to help regulate your system. I am not a healthcare provider, and you should always use your own discernment. With that being said, if you are looking to naturally decrease inflammation levels in your body, cannabinoids have been proven to help. Just throwing it out there, okay? Just throwing it out there. You know me. And the last thing I want to say, there is a lawnmower going off, and I hope that's not too distracting. 80% of autoimmune diseases occur in women. I just thought I should share that, because what a staggering fucking statistic that speaks volumes to the way women have to behave in this fucking culture. Okay, I just wanted to leave you with that. A little food for thought. Um, no, but seriously, I hope you got something from this, and your body is so fucking beautiful and so fucking wise even if it's attacking itself (laughs) actually especially if it's attacking itself okay (laughs) okay bye